0: Thank you, everybody, for joining me once again. I'm your host, Emmanuel Mutui. I know it's been a while. It's a brand new year. And as we started the year, I was thinking to myself, what is the best way to start the 2021 year? What is the best interview? And as I was thinking, it became abundantly clear. that This interview that I butchered before, I had to redo it. Not just redoing it because I butchered the interview, but because the story is amazing. And I'm very, very happy that we got we were able to have this time. And I'm I know for a fact this history will bless you. Without further ado, Christian Lamers. It's Lammers. <laughs> Lammers. <laughs> you wanna retake that? No, that's perfect. <laughs> oh wow. But anyway. You know, we just I'm gonna just call him Christian because I can't pronounce his last name apparently. Amen. So uh as we always do, we always start from the beginning. And actually, before we start, I want you to look at this ink that he got right careful, here. Careful, careful, it's new. Oh, yeah, my bad. It's new, don't touch. Yeah. Don't <laughs> could, touch. You, could you tell the story behind it before we get. How about I wait and tell the story later? Okay, we can wait. We got plenty of time. That way, that
1: way they have to stay tuned in. Exactly. Just to add the story. See, a little cliffhanger for you.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so let's start from the beginning. Where
1: where were you, where are you from? I'm from Peoria, Peoria, Illinois, which is a small town just outside Chicago. Mm.
0: And so, born in prayer, how do you say?
1: Peoria.
0: Peoria. How was how were you? How was your childhood?
1: Um, we moved around a lot. We mm. were not military. My dad got transferred every three, maybe four years. So my childhood was. Constantly Restarting If you will So every three to four years I had to find a new group of friends Mm. I had to start over And It's uh, It was rough Yeah Doing that Yeah
0: Um, So as that As all this movie Got to start afresh All the time Did that affect Because if I'm not mistaken You didn't grow up In a Christian family No
1: my parents were Catholic. They mm-hmm. forced us to church. I went through what was called CCD. I don't even remember what it stands for. Mm-hmm. So I had a... I had if My dad was Catholic, I should say. My mom just kind of went along for the ride. But I had a... Um, understanding of God at an mm-hmm. early age. Although, even though... I would say it was a twisted view of God, okay. a judgmental God, yeah, you know, like grace it, wasn't preached,
0: and obviously that affected how you I guess it didn't it didn't really matter to you because God was not affecting your life, so you just did whatever you wanted to do, pretty much. and so yeah. well, at, at what age did God begin to kind of start being a reality to you?
1: So I would ask my dad questions. When it came to God and heaven, eternity, things like that, because I was young. Mm-hmm. And then at, at the same time, I was slipping pretty bad in school, and turned out I had ADHD. They called it ADD, mm-hmm. and I was on Ritalin, and I always had this feeling that something was broken, mm-hmm. like in me. And what was the question? <laughs> I wanted <laughs> ADD, see? <laughs>
0: point did God begin to become a reality?
1: reality? Mm -hmm. So I would say I was 12 maybe 13 I was 13, started smoking because I had to find a new group of friends and the people I found friends with were the ones who accepted me and I was a nerd in school like not the nerd that did his homework not the nerd that was good in school I was just dorky and got in fights all the time so I started smoking and at that point in my life, um, planning out my life, I wanted to, um, when I grew up, I wanted to kill people for a living.
0: And Where would that come from?
1: I have no idea. Okay. I was very angry. Mm-hmm. And so my thought was, I'm going to be a hitman. I will probably get paid off by whoever wants to have somebody whacked, if you will. Okay. And in that thought process, I started thinking, the only way I can get away with this and do it eternally, because I had an implementation, I mean, I had that you know seed sown from my dad, mm-hmm. the only way I can get away with that is if there is no God, if there is no hell, mm. more specifically. If there's no hell... Then I can do this, and I would be fine and make a boat ton of money. I would travel. I would lay with the ladies, and it was exciting in my mind to do something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Didn't have friends anyway. Kill them too. But uh, So what led me to the Lord was my brain basically thinking about that. I was like, okay, the only way I can get away with this is if there's no God. And if there is a God, and if what they say in church is true, that he created everything, and he was big enough to do that, then he's probably big enough to answer me if I ask, are you real? And I, I was intrigued by the hands more than anything, because our hands are pretty intricate details, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was just blown away at how they work, how your fingers move without even thinking, you know, you can do whatever with your hands. So I started thinking about it and I was like, well, if there is a God and he was big enough to create my hands, if he was big enough to create the mountains. And at that time I didn't see mountains, but if he was big enough to create the trees and the earth and all these people around me, then he's probably big enough to answer me. If I seek after him, if he's real in a way that only I would understand. Couldn't tell you how he answered me. I have no idea how he answered me. But within a year, um, I had a neighbor across the street who invited me to a church, a vineyard, Christian fellowship in Indiana. And I started going there. And he taught the two to five-year-old class. So I didn't necessarily go into service. I would just go in and help him teach the kids. And watching them and hanging out with him kind of developed a relationship with God in that whole it, yeah, it just happened. I didn't have an altar call. Mm. I didn't have a you know a sermon that I listened to that really spoke to my heart and pulled on my heartstrings and raise your hand if you want to know the Lord kind of thing. I didn't have all that. Mm-hmm. I didn't go the back door Christian way. I see a lot of people that do it and then they just fall off because there's no discipleship to follow. But he actually just took me under his wing and started teaching me about the Lord.
0: Wow, that's that's amazing. So after. You, you meet this guy and now you're growing in the Lord. Did that change what you wanted to be? Yeah. I mean, I was still angry. And mm-hmm. I,
1: there was still one person in particular I wanted to
0: yeah whack mm-hmm.
1: outside of myself. But um, <laughs> I was still very bitter. But I was at least coming to a place where I knew there was a God. And I knew that He loved me. Mm. And He wasn't the judgmental
0: Mm -hmm. you know yeah
1: god that i thought he was growing up
0: so after this relationship starts with the lord what was the first thing now he started to do actually what was the first thing he did after you got born again what was the first thing he did that's a good question
1: a lot of those years are a haze Mm -hmm. just because i was walking um, yeah I was still walking in my flesh. Ah. So there was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of, you know, anger. Mm-hmm. There were things that I was in bondage to that I couldn't seem to shake. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Didn't you write a giftings?
1: letter? Giftings. No, I told my sister to write a letter. Okay. Yeah, so within a year of me getting saved, thanks for the reminder, within a year of me getting um, saved, and I don't even know the date that I got saved, hmm Um, But within a year of that, my sister asked me, she approached me. There was obviously some change in my life because she asked me, how do I get what you have? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, you seem happier because I I was, I, my music had all shifted. I was no longer listening to secular music. I was listening to only Christian music. It was death metal. It was Christian hard, like Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I didn't want to listen to things that I didn't want the outside influence in my head. I got wrapped up in the book of Matthew. I love the gospel of Matthew. There were, I mean, yeah. When I look at my Bible from back then, it was Matthew was just highlighted, written on, scribbled all over. It's amazing that it even survived what I was going through. But anyway, so my sister asked me Mm -hmm. and I told her, I says, I don't know. Um, I, I explained to her that I believe in God And that God is helping me through life. And she needed to, because I never got led to the Lord. I never led her in prayer. I said, I don't know. I guess you just write a letter to God, explain your situation, where you're at, pour your heart out in this letter, and ask him to be Lord of your life. So she did. Let me see, that was 30 years ago. Uh, Maybe a little more. And she, to this day, still carries... That letter in Mm. her Bible, she got saved and now has six kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, married a pastor. Yeah, so
0: she's doing good. After you get born again, obviously everything is changed. You're 16 at this point, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, give or take, yeah, 15, 16. So, what was the next phase? What happened next in your life?
1: So, I started realizing that there were gifts Mm -hmm. that God had given me certain gifts in the spirit and I I mean at this point I'm reaching out going, There is a God, He created everything. Anything is possible. Spiritually, anything is possible. So I went to a Bible study um in my youth, fifteen or sixteen years old, I was at this Bible study. And we broke off. It was the end of school year, going into the summer, and the youth pastor broke us off into groups of five or six, something like that. We went around in a circle. We were supposed to pray for the person to our left. The person to my left happened to be named Michelle. She was cute. She, she was cute. <laughs> so while people are praying, I'm thinking, how am I going to pray for Michelle? I didn't know her that well. The word rape kept popping in my head. I shook it off like, that's disgusting. Why am I thinking of raping Michelle? Right? I, I, there weren't vivid Im- images of me doing it. It was just the word rape. So anyway, we get through with the prayer. I prayed some generic prayer for her. about 10 minutes later. We were in the hallway and Michelle tracks me down. And she says, "Hey, Chris, I got to talk to you." And everybody called me Chris back then. "Don't do it." "Chris, I got to talk to you. I'm going to my dad's this summer. He rapes me every summer when I go there." Now, why she decided to tell a 15, 16-year-old kid this and not an adult is beyond me. Why I didn't respond in the same manner and tell an adult is also beyond me, but it did make me realize that the Lord speaks loud and I have this ability to, and and it's happened multiple times over the years where I just read people's mail and, and I could just not know who they are, but I can, uh, it's like God just downloads things because I'm open to listening to what's going on you know what I'm saying so there were some gifts that I started realizing I had and the, the one gift I guess you'd call it discernment um, turned into other gifts that I no longer walk in because those gifts led to pride yeah. which led to a fall that yeah. was detrimental to my
0: so health. I want to talk about because this is still in Indiana and this is where you began getting into the occult and Satanism right or was that later it was later okay so when so this happens what at what point do you i know you moved out you started being hitchhiking across u.s what kind of bred that and what how was that
1: so while i was still in indiana i got arrested for battery um i beat my mother up oh stole 500 bucks from her and took off i spent six weeks in jail and then wound up on probation um While I was on probation, I was 16 at the time. And this is all because of drugs. I was doing LSD, um, smoking a lot of weed, smoking cigarettes. Needed to pay for it all. And uh, so I stole some money out of their bedroom for quite a while before they found out. Anyway, I get arrested, wind up on probation. During that probationary period, I think I was four months, five months into probation. It was a six month probation. While I was on it, they, my dad got transferred and we moved to Colorado Springs, which is where I currently reside, obviously. <laughs> you didn't fly to New York for this interview, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, we're in the Springs, and while I was here in the Springs, I now got uprooted from my old church, from where I got saved, if okay. you will, from all my friends, from everything. So now I'm out here going, I don't know anybody, I'm 17, i got to find a new connection, I also got to find a new church because I was really walking the fence. I was doing both. I had convictions, but at the same time, I was doing drugs. Um, while I was 17, uh tried to hit my sister with a car and uh, just curious as to what it would be like to watch the body hit the front of a car. Huh. So she got scared to death, told my parents. They called the cops. Yeah, I was very violent. Yeah. I was very violent and wow. angry and a lot of bitterness that I hadn't worked through. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 17, my parents approached me. It was right after my junior year in high school. And they sat me down and they said, Hey, um, it is very evident to us that you're not going to amount to anything in life. They didn't use that verbiage, but I'm yeah. going to keep it clean. <laughs> the S word. Eh, the S H word. Yeah. Um, you're not going to amount to anything. So why don't you go ahead and drop out of high school? You hate it anyway. And you've got one of two options. You can get a job. You're going to give us 90% of your paychecks. You'll keep 10%. We will save your money. And you can either a get an apartment, you know, save up six months of rent, get an mm-hmm. apartment, move out quick. Or you can be, wait till you're 18, buy a van and live in a van down by the river kind of thing. You know, not not to pull a Chris Farley. But I decided for the quickest way out, which was an apartment. So I moved into an apartment right across the street from a church, another vineyard that I started going to out here. Um, <clears throat> I was taking the entire youth group to my apartment on Wednesday nights when they were supposed to be in church. And I had ounces of weed laying around. You know, so all the youth group, come on over. Christian 17, he's got his own pad, man. We just start partying over here. Youth, I remember one day I was sitting on the couch, stoned out of my mind. Youth pastor came in because he realized what was going on. He had no youth group anymore, they were at my house. Mm. Like, all of them <laughs> except a couple stragglers that didn't want to get partake. So they <laughs> told the youth, yeah, they told the youth leader where they were at. He came in, barged into my door and dumped all flushed everything like ounces of weed down the toilet. Wow. And he said you will leave you will leave my youth group alone. And they still loved me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they invited me back to the church and that that was cool whatever. But uh <laughs> So (laughs) at that point, I lived my six months in my apartment, had 10 or 11 roommates, maybe 12 roommates that didn't pay rent. Like, you can move in. Your rent is to buy me cigarettes. Every time I want a cigarette, I want a cigarette. At that point, I was smoking five packs a day. So one person's rent was get my cigarettes. One person's rent was get me my beer. Another person's rent was make sure I'm stoned. If If I want to hit off a bull... There better be a bong filled in front of me kind of thing. Hmm. Um, Another person pay utilities. You know, it's like, it just was what it was. By the time I was 18, it Mm -hmm. was right around my 18th birthday, that lease expired and I was obviously kicked out. I'd lost my job months before. I was just partying. I didn't care. Mm. And uh, that's when I went homeless and started hitchhiking cross country and Wait, was that a specific thing that you were looking for <coughs> when you? Uh, I wasn't looking for anything, bro. I was this... living one day at a time. Yeah, I don't freaking care if I'm alive tomorrow. I, I didn't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, was some of the things that happened on your like one or two stories that you can remember from this stint. Oh, I'd have to think about that.
1: So, in the process of obtaining gifts in the spirit, if you will. I started using those gifts to my benefit. There are gifts without repentance. You don't have to repent to have gifts. I'm I'm a believer that if you have sight or you have discernment, you can use those things to your benefit, even Mm -hmm. though that's not God's intent. We're man. We, We can do... You know, we can make a choice. Yeah. God's not going to take a gift from you just because, in, in my experience. And maybe he does for some people just to, you know, mm-hmm. to save them a little bit from themselves. But for me, that wasn't the case. And so I became a womanizer and I would read a women's mail just to intrigue them. And so even though I was homeless for the years that I was homeless, and I, I can't recall, it was four to six years, somewhere in that arena, even though I was homeless, I didn't look homeless. I looked like I look now. I didn't carry myself in a way that was homeless. I was a young, young kid and looked like a college student. So I'd hitchhike all over the country, go to college towns, find a lady and hook up with her, read her mail, intrigue her, move in, stay with her for three months, drive her condo, you know, drive her Beamer, live in her condo and do all her dope and just suck the living life out of her for three months until she got tired of it and kicked me out. And then I'd go find another one and do the same thing. So I didn't, I mean, I slept under bridges and I had those types of days too, but it wasn't like the majority. The majority was party and just live life and travel and I was very good at it. I was very good at it. I'm not anymore I don't live in the flesh like that anymore but what's the one
0: story you told me you was out in LA was this doing this thing <coughs> with the uh, skinhead was... monkey yeah
1: so you're talking the gangbangers that jumped us yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I don't remember the timeline of anything that happened on the streets. Mm -hmm. So I started here in Colorado. Went to New Mexico, Arizona. Went to all the way as far east as Florida. Up north as D.C., uh, Washington, Oregon, all the way down the coast, California. I, I traveled a lot. I never stayed in one place longer than a few months, and then I would be out. And L.A., Was yeah, it was violent, but I wouldn't recommend it for being homeless. That's for sure. But at the time, I had mohawk, Mm -hmm. um, two bihawks, twenty-eight piercings, and yes, anywhere you can imagine having pierced, I was a mutilator. I had it pierced. I promise you. Um, and I was dating a gal named Monkey, who had a mouth on her and we were staying in a squat. A squat is an abandoned building and this particular squat had power. So we had a bedroom with two single mattresses in it and tables. It was just an abandoned house that I don't know how she found it, but she found it and we were staying there and it was a Friday night, roughly one in the morning, something like that. Midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Hollywood Boulevard is covered with cops Every block has a police officer in the middle of the street on a Friday and Saturday night in Hollywood. This was well over 20 some odd years ago. Either side of Hollywood Boulevard, there are gangs. So we had Temple Street on one side, on the other side was 18th Street. Our squat happened to be near Temple Street turf. And uh, the cops came in and raided our squat late or early in the morning, whatever you want to call it, late at night on a Friday night. Kicked us all out, ID'd us, kicked us out. So we're walking down the street in Temple Street Arena, painting a picture. I also, at that time, was dressed all in black, leather jacket, long black skirt. So I didn't wear pants, because it was uncomfortable. I wore a long black skirt with combat boots. Oh, wow. My mohawks, and I had... Uh, what was called a smiley. It was a big toe chain that went around my neck with padlocks, one on each side. Monkey, same kind of look. You know, she was a punk. We were punk rockers in Mm -hmm. L.A. And uh, we're walking down the street and this car of five vatos rolls up on us. And they start flipping us off and yelling at us and cursing us out. And Monkey... Didn't take nice to that, so she decided to reciprocate, and in doing so, yelled all kinds of obscenities to these five dudes who were obviously <laughs> going to outnumber us. All of a sudden, we hear the brakes of their car. They get out of the car and they chase us down. We turn around and run. I mean, we ain't we ain't sticking around for this. No. So we cut down the street, make a left to get onto Hollywood Boulevard. We're a block away from cops. We're like, if we can get there, we'll be all right. So we make the left, and as I'm turning left, she was running to my outside. She tripped on my boot. They almost fall! She fell. Yeah, so she falls. I didn't realize it for a minute. I turn around to get her, and by the time I got to her, I pick her up and shoo her on, she gets up. I help her up. She runs. I look up. There's five bottles in my Kool-Aid. Mm. So now I have to fight. Yeah. So my right hand grabs my smiley. I swing over. Knock one of them out. Take my smiley. Spin it around. Come back up the other way. Knock another one out. So two of them are now down. So I'm like, cool, I'm down to three. I go back to get the third. And my smiley I lost control of, and all three of them jumped me. Oh. At this point, three dudes on me wasn't a very good odd, so Stake I just I dropped to the fetal position, mm-hmm. protect my head, they beat the living tar out of me, and then they all leave. So
0: Monkey make it to the cops?
1: Monkey made it, but she didn't make it to the kids. She wasn't making it to the cops, man. She she claimed she was wanted for homicide, Oh. Or questioning on a homicide. I don't know if that was true. I don't know whatever happened to that. But we wound up breaking up a couple months later. And I found out a few years later that she had actually gotten killed. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's sad. But, so, wow. Crazy. Crazy yeah. story. That's the first time I've heard the full story.
1: That was the, yeah, that was the full story of that. Yeah. Long as it is.
0: It's perfect. So, I do want to go back. Because I know after you this first stint... ...of homelessness, you wind you up back in Indiana.
1: hmm
0: So what made you go back? Um, I don't know.
1: I have... Uh, I wanted to go see the guy who originally led me to the Lord. hmm And um, so I went back out there. I mean, I went to high school out there. Yeah. And in the time that we moved as kids, we went from Peoria to Chicago... Indiana, Fort Wayne, we were there three or four years, then we moved Texas, and then four years or three years there, again, my timelines are fuzzy, we went back to Indiana and we lived a suburb away from where we originally lived, Okay. so even though we moved every three to four years, I... Yeah. That was kind of home because mm-hmm. I had lived there a couple of times, so seven or eight years total in yeah. Indiana. So I wanted to go back and see some people that okay. I used to
0: mess around roll with. with. Yeah. So roll when you with. go back, I know this is when the Satanism kind of began. Yeah. What drew you to that? And because you said you went back to see the guy, led you to the Lord. Yeah. How did that end up being?
1: So I went back to see, uh, his name was Eric. I yeah. went back to see him. And putting it in perspective, he was 28 when I met him and I was 13. Okay. I used to wash his car and mow his lawn. That's how he established relations with me. And then he started talking about the Lord and took me to church. And that, yeah. the rest is history there. but So he's quite a bit older than me. Um, never got married. And uh, I went back to see him. He basically said, yeah, you can't stay here, bro. And so at that point, I was discouraged and was like, well, what the hell ever. And uh, so I needed a place to stay. So I ran into some cats uh, downtown. Uh, Indiana downtown Fort Wayne is very um, witchcraft. There's a lot of witchcraft in that town. Um, I don't know that I would call it Satanism because they're two different religions, Mm -hmm. if you will. We as Christians know... It's Satan. all demonic, yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't call it Satanism. They call it witchcraft. So I ran into a guy, one up standing at his pad, and he was an ex-Satanist mm-hmm. who had become a Wiccan. Okay. And he had spent 13 years in prison, and he was the head of a coven that was out there that I befriended and started hanging out with. Okay going back to the gifts without repentance. I was still walking in my gifts. I mean, at this point I was sensing what was in the room. I could sense demons. I could see them. I, there was a lot going on mm-hmm. um, to the point where I walked up to a schizophrenic in a donut shop in Indiana. And I told him exactly what he was seeing and what they looked like. And he couldn't believe it. He was like, how do you know? And I'm like, cause you're not schizophrenic, bro. You're just seeing demons. Like, in the Bible, Jesus never talked about schizophrenia. They were always demonically oppressed or possessed, one or the other. So I don't, I don't believe in some of the mental illnesses out there. I just believe a lot of it's spiritual, and people have giftings. Yeah. So, not to go on that debate, but um, I started walking in my uh, in my gifts when I was homeless, and eventually it became, look what I can do. We all know, as Christians, that pride come before the fall, haughty spirit before destruction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, pride came. Mm. The fall came. And I pretty much renounced God. Um, at that point, I'm walking in witchcraft. Because let's call a spade a spade. It was witchcraft. Everything yeah. I was doing was witchcraft. Whether, I mean, I, So I just decided, well, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm going to start doing this. So uh, that coven leader he wound up giving me a list of 12 uh, names, uh, demons' names, to call on and cast. I was casting demons into people instead of out of them. Yeah. I, I just went the like complete polar opposite way.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. How in So in that time, what's the one thing that, because obviously you came out of it, what what was the one thing did I I did we're not just sitting here having this conversation (laughs) but what was the one thing that made you to start wondering is this all or is do this what I want to do or do you want to go back to the like what was the shift when did the shift start I didn't seek after God okay at that point
1: he leaves the 99
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I know how much you love that song I know. He loves this this song, Reckless Love. But if you think about the lyrics, and you think about who Jesus is, he leaves the 99 to seek after the one. I was the one that he sought after and still is seeking after. I'm not perfect by any means. I still struggle in some areas, for sure. Um, But I didn't actually come to a place of, oh my gosh, I need, there wasn't a revelation that said, man, I really need to repent and I need to seek after God. And then I found him. It was the other way around. He left the 99 and he was there the entire time that I was homeless. Um, His grace was over me. I should be dead or locked up. I mean, I was facing prison three times. Facing 10 to 15 years twice, facing 20 years another time. I did everything from cocaine, heroin, mescaline, LSD, uh, MDA2, you know, weed. I drank 12 bottles a day. I drank in the morning. I drank all the way through the day. I drank into the night. I stayed up six days a week on math. I weighed 145 pounds. Picture me 50 pounds lighter than I am now. That's what I look like on math. Um, yeah, i was i was just living my life at partying to the very most extreme that i could get to and didn't care if i lived or died but god cared and his grace was there and in his grace and in his pursuing me that's how i came back to the lord mm-hmm. i i had uh he approached me in a dream okay that's what, yeah, you're waiting for the... I'll wait for the story. <laughs> All right, so the story. <clears throat> he, uh, so one night I got just blitzkrieged, mm-hmm. and I was walking in Boulder. I was in Pearl Street, uh, at Pearl Street Mall, and I passed out in a bush. Couldn't tell you where. Passed out in a bush. And when I said passed out, I, did, I, I was so drunk I passed out involuntarily, Mm -hmm. just kind of fell over in a bush. That night, I had a dream that I had gotten stoned to death because I wasn't walking right with Christ. And I woke up, and basically in that dream, it was quite a few Christians chasing me in the mountains of Colorado. Go figure, I was in the mountains of Colorado getting chased down. They all had rocks, and they were they were ready to kill me because I was not representing what I knew to be truth. So I wake up from this dream terrified and it was vivid. I walk up the street, um, went to a place called the hill. I don't know if they still call it that, but it was the college area of Boulder and I'm sitting on the side of the uh, building panhandling, you know, asking people for change. And, uh, I asked this bag lady, who I don't believe was a bag lady after all these years. I believe it was an angel. Um, we, we know uh, the word says that there are angels on this planet. I believe it was an angel. Primarily because there are no bag ladies. like that. Not back then, you know, there were no bag ladies in uh, Boulder. But anyway, she's got the cart. It's full. She's looking like a big old, you know, got the wart, the old nine. What you picture a bag lady from L.A. to look like, that's what this woman looked like. I asked her for change. Don't know why. I just asked everybody. So I asked this woman for change. She walks about five feet past me, stops dead in her tracks, turns around. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Christ Jesus. Turn your life around now or you'll you'll be dead in a year. Well, I just had a dream that I got killed. Now this happens. I'm like, I look up, and she's gone. I'm like, okay, well that was weird. So at that point, I'm like, Lord, if you can still use me, if you still want to use me, I give my life back to you. I'm done. I can't live this way anymore. I walk down the street to Pearl Street Mall. Keep pan. I'm still panhandling. I'm trying to get coffee and donuts. And maybe 20 minutes. 20 minutes go by, half hour, something like that, I don't know, time frame, but uh, three ladies are walking down, it was two, two or three ladies are walking down the street, about my age, I asked them for change, and uh, they said, we have no money, but we can pray for you, in the name of Jesus, and I said, you, I got to talk to you, and so I took them to a parking garage, sat with them for a good hour, and just shared, I just poured my heart out to them, Told them what I had done, how I knew the Lord, how I left the Lord, walked in these gifts, blah, 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 the whole nine. And within a week to two weeks, I had moved into a four-bedroom house. I had a job making more money than I'd ever made in my life. I mean, back then, it was over 23 years ago. I was making over 15 bucks an hour for being a homeless guy. That was pretty damn good. Um, full-time work. And met my first wife, and found a good church, mm-hmm. like all within. And I was given a car, orange Datsun B two ten, all within a week and a half. So, like God's grace, yeah, was more than sufficient, and He just lavished who He was on me at that point. Yeah. Funny thing about that, I got into this house, and I'm like. Wow, God, you're good. Like, I've never worried about money. Yeah, I've never worried about buying a car. I've always been. I've been given probably six cars in my lifetime. Um, I never worry about if I have to go somewhere. God's going to pay for it. I, I I just don't worry about that type of stuff. I was homeless long enough that I know God's a provider. Like, um, mm-hmm. I'm not panhandling off of God, but He's going to take care of things if I need it. Mm-hmm. He opens the doors, and uh, I'm sitting in my living room. Of this rental I just moved into, somebody gave me a Bible. I opened up the bible i I haven't read a Bible in years, you know. I played Bible roulette <clears throat> read there, boom hebrews six four was what I turned to yeah, and it it was a struggle for me for years, and this goes to show that outside of even the temptation of Christ when Jesus came and tempted him, he said. Well, the Word of God says, "If you cast yourself from this rock, you know that God's going to send his angels, and Jesus had to fight it with the Word, you know, but but Satan uses the Word to fight against us, as was proof that day hebrews six four is what I opened up to for it is impossible for a man who has once been enlightened, who has tasted the heavenly gift if he falls again, and I'm butchering it, but if he falls away to come back again to repentance, for it's like crucifying our Lord all over again." I heard that, and I was like, what's the point? Like, it's impossible for a man, if he's once been enlightened, if he falls away to come back to repentance, what's the point? I may as well go live my life. Screw this crap, and I shut the Bible. Bitterness immediately kicked in. I walked out in faith anyway, and... I didn't run or go back to my lifestyle. I actually tried to fix my lifestyle a little bit, but that verse—and that was over twenty years ago—the Lord finally brought clarity for me in that verse within the last five years.
0: So wait a minute. So when you walked out, were you still involved with the with the mission with those with that Christian organization, or were you? What do you mm. mean when
1: I walked out? When I because
0: you say after you read that verse, you just closed the Bible. And I you... closed the
1: Bible and I was frustrated, and so... I did not walk out. I continued on the path of trying to serve God, mm. but at this point, it was begging, "Please don't throw me in a fiery pit." Oh. Like there's no way this is true. You know what I mean? But up until recently, I didn't even know God. True. I knew of God. True, but I still had that perception that God was.
0: So you went back to the old Catholic. perception. That I
1: still had... Well, it's it's deep-rooted. Yes. So it wasn't even intentional to go back to mm-hmm. those perceptions. They were just part of my fiber because I was raised that way, if you will. True. Wow. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Man, so do you think that perception <laughs> pushed you to do a lot of the things that you did in your life without even realizing it?
1: Um, yeah, because there was always the thought, well, if God's like this, mm-hmm. then what's the point?
0: Yeah. Wow, so that's right. amazing. But I don't want to forget this. He said, up until five years ago, he gave you clarity on that verse. Yeah. What's some of the things that he shared with you that started to shift your the perspective? The thing,
1: and I don't even know if this is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, theol- theologians and all, I've studied that verse, I've looked into that verse, I've looked, I've Googled, I've looked up theologians. What do they say about it? What does it actually mean? Finally, I realized, Lord, I just have to ask you. <laughs> if you're stuck on a verse, yeah, like just ask him. Yeah. A small still voice is going to answer you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if it's not even theologically correct, he's still going to answer me in a way that allows me to get over it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the the word impossible to me is what God started speaking to. Is it impossible for me to forgive anyone? Was his question. I said no. Anyone. No. Okay, so he can forgive anyone. The impossibility is not on God. The impossibility is on man, is what he started showing me. It is impossible for a man who has once been in this place if he falls away. And the impossibility becomes on the man because the man will no longer want to repent. Christian, you're at a place where you want to repent. That's not impossible. Nothing is impossible. And we know that because it's written in Scripture, I don't know how many times, nothing is impossible for him. So the impossibility is the fact that your heart would be so hard at that point yeah. that you wouldn't even want to come back to God. Yeah. Much like Satan. True. Satan's heart is so hard, there's no way he's coming back to repentance. That's yeah. impossible for God to forgive him because mm-hmm. he wouldn't even ask for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's that kind of impossibility. So it took me years to get mm-hmm. to that point, And sure. I still stumble over other verses in yeah. the bible but i always have to go back to that small still voice yeah and holy spirit and lord what are you telling
0: me in this so since that shift of after getting that revelation about that verse god goes from being like that santa claus good good list bad list kind of guy yeah to like what how is your relationship with him now
1: he's a father mm-hmm. um He's, he's more a father now than he ever has been. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with, uh, with a brother about a year ago, and I was telling him, or I was asking him his story, or he was telling me his story. And something he said that actually spoke to me volumes he said, because I asked him, when'd you get saved? And he says, I got drastically saved in, and then told me a story. The word drastically spoke out. I was like, "Huh, it's kind of funny." I've been walking with the Lord, or I've known the Lord off and on, for over thirty years. I didn't get drastically saved till last year. Mm. Drastically saved, life changing. I give up, Lord. I am serving after you, mm. and my and the more I do this, the more and I still have struggles. Don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. You know I'm married.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Anybody who's married is going to have struggles. You know what I mean? Anybody with kids is going to have struggles. Anybody with a job is going to have struggles. Yeah. You know, there's, there's yeah. arguments, there's contentions, there's things that happen. But at the end of the day, I just got to realize, wow, Lord, you are good, man. Mm-hmm. And so he has evolved to me mm-hmm. as not, because I used to look at God in a very militant yeah. kind of fashion. And I always compared Christianity to, like, Muslims, mm. especially Because they're like polar opposites. But Muslims, if you look at their religion, they don't have a relationship. But if you look at their religion, they are faithful, man. They pray when they pray. Mm -hmm. The sun goes down, they're on their mat. Or whatever. The horn goes off, they're on their mat. Christians don't live like that. I mean, it's a very legalistic way to live. Don't don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't envy it. But it's like, man, they're faithful to what they believe. Yes, Yes. Whereas Christians aren't. Yes, it's true. Christians are very... Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, backdoor Christians, Mm -hmm. they get a tug on the heartstrings from a worship service or whatever, and then they come up to the front, they do their altar call, but nothing ever changes. There's never a discipleship, there's Mm -hmm. never, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Like, so now I've come to a place where I'm like, Lord, I just want to walk with you in the garden.
0: Yeah, I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And so I know him now as, Mm -hmm. as my wife says, a friend, Mm -hmm. a lover, a father. And a king. Mm. Not just a king. Yeah. And the more I'm in the word, the more I realize, Mm. oh man, this is dope.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, so... So, To wrap up here, I'm going to go back to the arm. Because I feel like... You want to go back to the arm now? I feel like this represents your life.
1: The arm's not even done
0: yet. But yeah. It It represents everything you're from to where you are now and all the in between. Yeah. And I would like... Need to show it's not done as is mentioned. It's not
1: complete, but it is work in progress. But mm-hmm. it's getting there. But I'm not complete
0: either, so it's okay. And that's part of the that's part of your story. So I want, you, could you show them and explain this piece of art? Oh, <gasps> he's gonna do it. I'm gonna take it off. Oh, I'm gonna take it all. Off, <laughs>
1: I'm just going to take off the sweater. Yeah. Don't worry, this is (laughs) G-rated.
0: Very G-rated. It's G-rated. God-rated, actually. So,
1: I started with a death angel Mm -hmm. on my arm. After I got off the streets, I had put Romans 6.23 above the death angel. Interesting. To remind me of the verse that got me off the streets in the first place. Hated the death angel for years. So, I've decided to black out my arm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of questions about my arm in particular because it's a rarity that you find somebody with a black arm. Mm -hmm. But the top is going to be a galaxy Mm -hmm. with a north star. The black is going to end up here with the silhouette of the nativity scene. So I'm basically going to go from the nativity scene up here, the birth of Christ, to the death of Christ, to... Three days in the grave, and that's what the black represents, is three days in the grave. And then the resurrection of our living God. Down here, on my knuckles, I'm going to be putting 11, semicolon, 1. Um, the 11, semicolon, 1 is for Hebrews 11, one. Mm. What is it Faith is the s- evidence of things held for the substance of things not yet seen. You can look it up. Hebrews 11 1. And so it's going to be my faith arm. It's my testimonial arm. This is the arm that I go to work and people ask me, why did you black out your arm? It allows me. It's an open door. So even though I'm at work, mm-hmm. I can still talk about Christ because people asked me a question. Yes. Well, now you asked. I'm just going to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know me. I'm not yes. quiet. So... You know <laughs> But yeah, that's what the black arm represents. And mm. I actually had a patient um, who studies the Hebrew and studies Jewish tradition. And he asked me a question the other day. He said, Do you know why it was
0: three days in the grave? Do you know? Uh, I know in, in the Old Testament it's referenced to, the, to three days, but outside of that, I don't. So they did not believe someone was dead. Oh, yes, that is true. Yes. Until
1: after that third day. Mm-hmm. And so Lazarus was raised from the dead on the third day. Yes, yes. If Jesus would have done it a day and a half after, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have considered him raising someone from the dead. True. So because of their beliefs, he yes. had to go three days. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that interesting. I was like, yeah. I never knew that, man. Yeah. I never knew that. So now I know even more yeah. about the three days in the grave, but that's uh-huh. what the black... That's what the black represents.
0: Yeah, and to wrap up here, I want you to pray for us because this is like, I guess, it's everybody's stories from when we were before we were born again, and maybe the stuff we did, and then we get born again and we start walking in the image Don't of touch Christ. My oh, yeah, it's still, still healing, bro. <laughs> 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 and that's kind of your story. Like this, this is the homeless, the sat- satanist kind of times, and now you're over here walking in Christ. And I just want you to pray for repentance, for people out there listening, and some of those who are not listening, that they will find the Lord and begin to walk in the in the image of Christ. You put me on the spot, bro. Yes, I never I knew you were going to have me pray about Amen. nothing, man. Amen. you got to keep them on their toes. You can't tell them everything. <sighs> no, they can't tell them everything. And mm-hmm. the only reason he knew half these stories
1: is because we did the interview once before and somebody forgot a cameraman, so I'd like to give it up for... Our cameraman. Yes. (laughs) He's putting me at work. (laughs) Right on. So, Father God, we just thank you for anybody who's watching this particular video and any of Emmanuel's videos. Honestly, Lord, I just pray that you would use them to speak volumes to people. Lord, I know personally that you reach people where they're at and that you do leave the 99 to pursue the one. So, Father God, any person at any point in their life who's watching I just pray that you would speak to them in that small still voice that you would guide them with that small still voice and that you would just send people around them whoever it is just to help in the raising up in them spiritually Lord I thank you for this channel and I ask that you would bless it and that you would bless any ears and
0: any eyes that see it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my man. I honestly appreciate you doing this. Giving me a second chance to repay yes. <laughs> the last mistake. Yes.
1: This is a second date. <laughs> it's the only way I get to hang out with you. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we never hang out. So <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that there are other parts of my testimony that I haven't even unboxed yet. This is the way, I get to hang out with him some more. <laughs> <laughs> but I've actually been told not to share. There are certain parts that I've been told not to share.
0: Yeah, right, not so yet. I'm not going to not yet. Not yet. No. no. But before we wrap up, I want you to remember: we all have a story. What's your story? Goodbye. Hey, you made it till the end. Thank you for tuning in and watching this amazing interview. If you want to get a hold of Emmanuel, you can do so on social media. There's also a blog where you can read some of his writings. God bless you. And remember, everybody has a story. What's your story?